Boozed and Confused is a comedy and weird topic podcast. Adult language may be used probably by me. While our episode topics may be educational in nature, we are not responsible if your children start dropping the F-bomb to their kindergarten class. Listener discretion is advised. Ahoy, mateys. Oh, we started. Hi. Welcome back to the shit show pod. We're we're the poop. (laughs) Called Boozed and Confused. I'm Carol Ann. Uh, This is Matt. And we are a day late and I'm... And a dollar short. I'm not sorry. I missed yesterday because I was watching Jeepers Creepers 4. You know, it was great. Go see it. This is not sponsored. This episode brought to you by Jeepers Creepers 4. <laughs> You've seen the first three. This is another one. And actually, it's on a limited release of like three days only in theater. So by the time you listen to this episode, it will probably be on demand. Justin Long's <laughs> not in this one. No, he's not. I love Justin Long. Justin, if you're listening to this, hello. Oh, can I have your dodgeball like, jersey? <laughs> I quote you. Every day. I quote you every day, and only the teachers get it. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, All right, so it's a me episode today. Uh, We're going to talk about some doomsday stuff, because it's been a while. Wait, I missed missed that one? Yeah, it's it's been a while. I thought I had the doomsday on lock. And uh, before we get into it, just a few notes. Housekeeping. Yeah, yeah, you know what it is. Just fast forward like 30 seconds boom, if you were <laughs> We Funny, we also just fast forwarded 30 seconds into our future. Yeah, and it's funny because we must have recorded the housekeeping notes twice because here I go. Oh, you got me there. <laughs> um, we are on all your favorite social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. MySpace.com slash we're not on MySpace because we don't have a band yet. Boozed Confused. Yeah, that'll be our next venture, starting a, a band. Um, if you want to reach out to us, you could do so on those channels. Probably Insta and Twitter are your best bets. Uh, if you are not a fan of social media and you're like, wow, this is really depressing, you can send us an email at boostandconfusedpodcast at gmail.com. And I will definitely respond to it because now I've unsubscribed our pod email from a bunch of spam emails. So I have an easier time seeing... What is real and what is not? Wake up. <laughs> this isn't real. Um, what else? If you like the pod and you want to support us, the best way that you could do that is by leaving us a review and or subscribing or following uh, wherever you get your podcasts, especially Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever. I don't give a shit, but it helps. It's nice. Um, and if you leave us a review and you take a screenshot and you send it to us, uh, we'll send you some booze and confused stickers in the mail for free to your address. It's free to you. Wherever you live. Anywhere. Yeah. yeah. Anywhere if in the world. A, if you're a researcher in the Arctic Circle, it'll get there. USPS will tell me how many stamps I need to put on there. And Seven they'll be like, stamps. this is my biggest sale today. Yeah. Cover the entire envelope <laughs> in stamps. Um, yeah. And what else? Uh, what are you drinking? Just, oh. Or you could just tell people about the pod. Or if you're embarrassed that you listen to us, I'm embarrassed that we do this. You don't have to tell anybody. It could just be our dirty secret. Yeah. So that's uh, fine too. Yeah. I'll say that my students still don't know what the pod is. 
I have a couple coworkers that I feel like have found me. So, oh, hello. Welcome to the fucking oh, show. No. Oh, no. <laughs> Please don't fire me. Wait, hey, pst, pst, hey, what are you drinking? What am I drinking? I'm drinking a really tall boy that how, I... How tall is it's it? It's so freaking tall. I'm a trash human being. Went to the zoo with my kid this weekend, and I thought, why am I going to buy a $13 tall boy at the zoo when I could bring my own? So I bought my own ahead of time. It was $3 from the grocery store, and I didn't even drink it. Um, and it's 19 ounces. It's a full pint. But a pint. This, they serve pints here. <laughs> this is just a Revolution Brewing Antihero. It's a classic. It's a classic. What are you drinking? You know, before I share what I was drinking, I wanted a quick, quick shout out to Antihero. I was, I was teaching my students about the, uh, the Antihero, you know, like trope. The beer? Oh. The trope, not the oh, beer. Oh, oh, I was like, no, that, that is would be, inappropriate. That would be frowned upon. Yeah. That, yeah. that would be frowned upon. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm drinking, I think, the last Imperial IPA that we have in the fridge. Uh, it's not one that I like really, really enjoy. Um, it's the blue one. <laughs> it's a Costco uh, fun pack. It's yeah. called Cryo Stash. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's it's decent. It's uh, what it lacks in like the hoppiness of of the IPA. It gets you with the imperialness. Yeah, I can't do imperial beers. I know because imperial to me equals night night. This this beer is actually in honor of the late Queen Elizabeth II. Oh shit! Yeah, cheers, cheers to you. The Queen is dead. Liz, live, live the King. The King lives. Yeah, I don't really love King Charles. But... Sausage fingered, having self. Yeah, I give him five years, six years. That's generous. That's it's generous. just unless a lot of crazy stuff happens, there will not be a queen. In our lifetimes. No, there won't be. I don't know. I might outlive both Charles and William. Maybe. But no, but no, but he has he has sons who, who would come before the daughter. Yeah, I gotta look at that lineage and like who who comes first. You just gotta look at how far down the the um the self exiled Harry yeah. would uh would fall. Yeah. Well, this is interesting. Um it's an interesting segue. So obviously the monarchy is very wealthy, controversial family, but very wealthy. What do you think their doomsday plans are? Ooh. Um, I'm going to say that they would just eat cake. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like they would just live life normally. Maybe underground. Maybe underground. You know, like a really lavish underground uh mansion cave yeah but it would have like windows that kind of that would project fake weather it's like oh it's yeah it's raining again (laughs) it's raining again i love when it rains rains every day because also it's i don't fucking know does it rain every day in england it's not seattle it just it just rains a lot yeah it's a cold day in stoke oh well preppers have been around for probably as long as humans have been alive i just don't think they were always called preppers. Like doomsday you know? preppers. Yeah, exactly. Are we are we like doomsday light preppers? I wouldn't say we're doomsday light preppers. I will say I definitely started my Costco stock up um in like mid February of twenty twenty for COVID. 
uh, because I was just watching the news and I was like, oh shit, this is kind of scary. Um, so we didn't really have any of the, the big hurdles of, uh, the logistics issues that were happening, but yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say we're doomsday preppers. We're just prepared. <laughs> what are those things called? You just add water to it and you, you have food for days. Like oh, the GREs? MREs. Oh, MREs, yeah. not G. The no. GRE is like a test, I think. Yeah, it is definitely yeah. a test. Okay. I have looked at, speaking of Costco, who sponsors this episode. Oh, uh, just kidding. Just the hot dogs. <laughs> um, Costco does sell those like emergency meal kits in like five gallon buckets. I've always looked at those because I'm like, damn, that would be a really good thing to have on hand. But then the other part of me is like, would I really use it? Like how, how long is the shelf life? You know, do I want to eat the same <laughs> meal for five years? We already struggle with leftovers, but maybe if it's a, an after world event, uh, it would be a little bit different. Um, but the modern survivalist movement that we know today, uh, has been around since like 1929. A little history check. What happened in 1929? Oh, crap. Okay, it was the Great Depression. Oh, crap. <laughs> so I didn't know this before, but a lot of folks cite the Great Depression as like the oh shit, we should have been prepared moment of our modern times. And um, we say preppers as like a blanket term, but there's a lot of different kinds of preppers I've learned. So some preppers or survivalists will focus on like wilderness survival, um, you know, like the bear gorillas who drinks his own piss. Um, some focus on self-defense, which makes sense. Some focus on like surviving natural disasters or biochemical attacks. Uh, there's also the preppers who focus on monetary disasters, which would make a lot of sense. Ooh. Great Depression comes back to mind. If it just comes back, bring it yeah. back. <laughs> or uh, the biblical disasters like the rapture. Well, I was I was just going to say that people have been prepared for the end of the world since, you know, two two thousand plus years ago yeah yes. they were it's pretty much like hey let's let's go <laughs> I'm ready. some more welcoming than others probably yes yeah. yeah yeah uh there are really common kinds of things that you could prep kind of regardless of the type of prepper that you are so uh, you know the first thing would be like a bug out location so like your safe place um we have one of those we do. We do have one. We of those. won't disclose on this pod, but we do have a bug out place. We do. Are we preppers? <laughs> okay, check first. Step one: check check the first thing off the list. Let's see how many we get. Non-perishable food. I. Uh, that's like a, not really a check. Yeah, water and water purification equipment. I have looked at those life straws before. Oh I my just. God. Yeah, anyway, so clothes, um, seeds to grow, which makes a lot of sense. Um, however, if there's like biochemical issues and your soil is no good, then the seeds probably won't do you much, much good. Uh, weapons and ammo and then medical supplies. So those are... We I check say. off like three of those already. Yeah. We check off like three of those. Yeah, I, I would say th I think those this are is, the common ones. This is just haha quirky. It's not... Right, guys? <laughs> This is my this personality is trait now. This is who I am. <laughs> um, and we've seen the varying prepping concerns change over time, right? So in the 70s, people were concerned about economic collapse and hyperinflation and famine. Wait a second. <laughs> Wait. Kind of sounds familiar. 
So preppers focused on like food storage and survival retreats and some also stockpiled precious metals and uh, barterable goods because they assumed that paper currency would just be trash. Right. You need yeah. bottle caps. Fallout, yeah, exactly. fallout currency. Bottle caps. Um, I, you know, I, I'm sorry. For what would be your currency of choice? My post, currency of yeah, choice. Yeah, postmodern times. Pokemon cards. That, I feel like. I've got a lot. Look, I've got a lot. The energy cards would be like pennies. Sure. Or maybe not pennies. Yeah. Like, currency, the the idea that we put value into anything is kind of weird. Everything is made up. The rules don't matter. <laughs> Everything is made up. Um, so in the 80s, nuclear war was a common fear. Um, so fallout shelters became popular again. Also, maybe I am a little bit of a prepper because I definitely am aware of the fallout shelters in our area. However, I'm aware that they also probably are not stocked the way that they were back during the Cold War. They're probably full of cleaning supplies (laughs) at your local grade school. Um, When people freaked out about like Y2K, which is probably (sighs) the the most modern one or second most modern event that we have, um, preppers focused on electronic uh, generators or water purifiers or months and years worth of food. And then obviously with COVID, I think that was the really big like, oh shit moment for a lot of people, especially because it's easy to see how quickly society would collapse uh, when the supply chain is fucked up. <laughs> so. I don't, I don't, like, I, mean, I, I, I very vividly remember Y2K. I remember being a, what, like a nine or 10 or 11 year old. Uh-huh. I don't, I don't know how old I was. But I remember being up for New Year's and like holding my breath like, oh boy, here it comes. <laughs> this is going to be what saves me. <laughs> and then like literally since then, I still have that, oh no, here it comes moment. Because of course, even though the New Year happened uh, an hour before in New York and hours before in Australia and, and you know, whatnot, Europe, Asia, Africa, etc. It's happened there and everything's fine. Yeah, but it's our time that they're going to be like, got you. Central Standard Time? <laughs> you're done. Yeah. It's the only one that counts. Great Lakes, Fresh Coast, you're done. You're done. <laughs> you got it too easy. Um, so speaking of Costco and preppers and all this stuff that comes with it, there's a ton of money to be made from the prepper community, obviously. Oh, oh, I thought you just had an ad. Speaking of money, <laughs> you can save a lot with Mint Mobile. <laughs> Uh, you could put all your money into Coinbase. I don't know where it goes and neither do they. <laughs> do you feel like you miss out on, <laughs> on Bitcoin? Well, guess what? It's coming back. Uh, um, so the whole like making money from the prepper community, uh, it's coined the boom doom, uh, especially during COVID, super apparent during COVID actually. And over the last couple of years, but you and I are just common folk. And anyone listening to this podcast, I'm pretty sure uh, Beth Jezos is not listening to this podcast. Um, so I'm assuming for all intents and purposes, we are all just normal folks living our day-to-day lives. None of us are in the top 1% club. Uh, and the one percenters would be like CEOs, venture capitalists, celebrities, and doomsday preppers. The 1%. Let's meet some of the wealthy preppers and see how they're preparing. Are are any of these minus 
Jeff, not Jeff, Elon, Elon Musk, or any of these South African doomsday. Pro- <laughs> Do you remember that episode of Dark Tourist yeah. where they're like, they're still yeah. preparing for like some kind of like yeah. racial overthrow yep. and they left the dog. Yeah. And they left the dog. Yeah. That's the cruelest part to me. If y'all have never heard us talk about dark, what is it? Dark, dark Tourist. tourist. I can't remember the name of the host. He, he's a Kiwi. He's from New Zealand. Um, he's brilliant. He phenomenal travels. Phenomenal show. Yeah. So good. Hope there's another episode, but just so fascinating. Uh, highly recommend. Even a season or yeah. as they call it, a series. <laughs> okay. What, what accent was that? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that was. <laughs> that was that, that, was, that was one. Um, so Reddit CEO Steve Huffman told The New Yorker in 2017 that he bought motorcycles, guns, and ammo for his San Francisco home in the event of a disaster. He said he became inspired to take precautions for potential disaster scenarios after seeing the movie Deep, Mad Max. Deep Impact. Oh, we just watched we that. We just watched that. It yes. was an Elijah Wood movie marathon for oh. some strange reason. All these Elijah Wood movies were just on at the same time. He's a good boy. Uh, so Huffman got LASIK eye surgery to increase his odds of surviving some kind of like world disaster. And uh, Yishan Wong, who served as CEO of Reddit from 2012 to 2014, did the same, which makes a lot of sense because I'll tell you all right now, I always think about I have terrible vision. I always think about if I were born in a different time before glasses or contacts, they would probably just put me down. Yeah, you <laughs> wouldn't, can't see you wouldn't have survived in the wilderness. Yeah. So, I don't know. I've been looking into LASIK, but then it gives me the heebie-jeebies, so. Unlike myself, I still have 20-20 vision. Yeah, well, we'll we'll see how long that lasts. It's going to last forever. It didn't mean to sound like a threat, but maybe it is. You're going <laughs> to poke my eyeballs when I'm sleeping? I'm going to poke your eyeballs. Um, the head of an investment firm told The New Yorker that he keeps a gassed-up helicopter on standby at all times and has an underground bunker with an air filtration system. Tim Chang, managing director at the venture capital firm uh, Mayfield Fund, uh, said that he keeps a set of bags packed for him and his family in case of a disaster. I don't feel like that one is crazy, especially if you live in an area that is prone to uh, natural disasters like wildfires where you have a moment's notice and you have to get a to-go bag. Um, but he also invests in real estate for passive income and to have safe houses in place. <laughs> so Real, real estate. It's free real, real estate. Um. Ex-Yahoo exec and current 500 startups partner, Marvin Leo, Leo um, said he took archery classes to be able to protect his family in the event that all hell broke loose. Give me a few rocks. I'll be fine. We got this. <laughs> I'm going to say archery is really hard. And I don't feel like it's very sustainable. No fucking Legolas is going to be around to save you during the apocalypse. There's no never-ending stream of arrows that you could just... It still counts as one. Look, that that elf boy could walk on snow. Legolas. That elf boy. I think about him sometimes. Oh. LinkedIn co-founder Reed Hoffman uh, told the New Yorker that he estimated that more than 50% of his fellow Silicon Valley billionaires have acquired some kind of doomsday hideaway spot in the U.S. or elsewhere in the world. Uh, Antonio Garcia Martinez, who is an ex-Facebook product manager, lives in San Francisco, said that he bought five acres on an island in the Pacific Northwest, and his island home features generators, solar panels, and weaponry. 
So a lot of these seem kind of normal until you're like, oh shit, you bought a private island or you bought land on an island or you have a jet. <laughs> I I don't know. I still feel like you know, like a small island, you're very limited to yeah. your to your resources. You only have so yeah. much. Well, and then you think about like deep impact. I, I haven't seen the full movie. I really should. The but. ocean the ocean bordering land masses were absolutely screwed. Yeah. Um but the Midwest is great. Come it's to the Midwest. Place. <laughs> is is your is your region of the country prone to being on fire for a quarter of the year? Come to the Midwest. It's it's not that bad. This episode brought to you by Travel Illinois. <laughs> what other options do you have? <laughs> the brown leaves are turning. I'm Tim Allen. We don't. <laughs> the pure Michigan commercials get me pure every Michigan. single fall. It's something about, and I, I think Tim Allen is a trash human. I can't remember. Uh, it's something about his voice with like the imagery and the music. It just really gets you. It's a, that's probably one of the most successful marketing campaigns, I'll say. What's his current show? The Last Man Standing? It's terrible. He he stopped acting. This is just Tim it's Allen. It's just Tim Allen. <laughs> he, he actually thinks this is his family, and he's just... <laughs> being tim allen a genuine uh, tim allen uh, yeah um what is super interesting is that there's one really popular place for buying up land if you're in the elite um Ooh. and i'll give you a hint it's not in the u.s do you have any guesses do i have any guesses all right well in in the film 2012 which was also a doomsday film um conveniently came out in 2011 um is it in Africa? No. Ooh. Um, is it Northern or Southern Hemisphere? Southern. Southern Hemisphere. Is it hmm, South America? No. Australia? No. New Zealand? New Zealand? Yes, it's New, New Zealand. Zealand. New Zealand, of course. New Zealand. New Zealand. The thing, the place where things can't go wrong. Yeah. I'm, they did COVID the best. Yeah, I'm glad we both got there. Um, so buying up New Zealand real estate became so popular among execs in the Valley that purchasing a house in New Zealand became Silicon Valley code for getting quote unquote apocalypse insurance. Okay. Yeah. Um, some of them started getting a great ROI because they spent a good chunk of the early pandemic stages in their bunkers regardless of where they were, which is crazy to me. Cowards. So people in New Zealand were getting pissed at all these ultra wealthy buying up pop property like this. So in 2018, um, the New Zealand parliament passed a law that was barring most foreign visitors from purchasing homes or land within the country, um, which began like exacerbating a nationwide housing crisis, which I think we've kind of already seen today is like worldwide. There's just not enough housing for all of us. <laughs> we just build more houses. A lot of, a lot of people. Just, just build more super high rises. Well, Chicago is actually probably the least susceptible to the insane rent right now. Rent increases that are happening across the U.S. Because uh, we are building at one of like the fastest rates for real estate. Look at for us. New, new apartments Look and at stuff. Us. So a state, come to Chicago. <laughs> a state. Oh, that's a city. A city that does stuff just all right yeah we're doing okay yeah we're we're fine um so for those who haven't really taken to new zealand there's another popular location but this time it's within the u.s can you guess where and i promise you're never gonna guess saskatchewan no all right well that was my only guess okay J did you that's canada is it not all right cut <laughs> 
cut, cut, cut. No, I'll say some really bad words. Just north of Wichita, Kansas, a former missile silo has been reconstructed into a series of luxury apartments that are completely (laughs) off the grid. Okay, so it's called the Survival Condo Project. It's the ultimate key escape, um, an example of prepper luxury. Uh, So the project offers half floor, full floor, and penthouse units. The condos are designed to create the illustration of living at a cottage rather than an underground bunker. That's grim. Sounds miserable. That's grim. Wake up. If this you is, think it sounds real. bad, you can go look at it online. It's even worse. Um, one of the many special features offered is the simulated view windows that adjust lighting levels throughout the day. So residents have access to a pool, a library, a dog park, among other amenities. Uh, walls range from two to nine feet in width. So the silo is built to withstand a nuclear strike. The survival condos begin at $1.5 million. That must be paid for in cash up front. Um, if you want a penthouse, because why would we not? Uh, that'll cost you $4.5 million in cash. So the cost covers the condo three years worth of food and survival training, uh, which feels like not a great deal. And the complex is built to grow vegetables and raise fish underground as a sustainable food source. And... Uh, Right now, the survival condo only has three more units available. So we're here today to tell you this is a great opportunity to get in if you're trying to cash out your Bitcoin. <laughs> this episode brought to you by Survival <laughs> Apartment Condo, Luxury Underground. Just like NPR does their fall um, fall Every five drive. minutes, there's, there's a plug. Every five minutes. So the three units available are two half-floor condos and one full-floor condo. Um What's really like you think the the verbal description of it is jarring. Go watch the video walkthroughs of the units. Um, you, I think there's a link to it in the show notes. Uh, it's really interesting. So to save you the click, the full floor condo is three million and eighteen hundred square feet. The half floor condo is one point five million, about nine hundred square feet. Maybe still a better deal than what you'd get in New York. Um, but I don't <laughs> imagine anyone listening to this pod is going to go run and make an investment. Either. People are just like, hey, these these people are spending dumb money for a thing that they probably hope hopefully won't ever use. <laughs> well, that's the thing, right? It's like let's, you're making an yeah, investment. You have no idea if you're ever going to use it, but it's nice to have, I guess. And if you're wealthy, one point five million is like nothing. It's nothing. Now, if all of this was not disturbing enough, you've heard about LASIK and the weapons gathering and the private islands and the survival condo project. I have something that really kicks this pot up to like an 1100. Top gear. <laughs> so uh, Douglas Rushkoff is a, he's a published author, but he's a lot of different things. I can't like exactly pinpoint his title. But he wrote a book called Survival of the Richest, Escape Fantasies of the Tech Billionaires. And it just came out September 6th of this year, so just a few days ago. Um, I'm going to read a small bit of the description. Let's hear it. Five mysterious billionaires summoned theorist Douglas Rushkoff to a desert resort for a private talk. The topic? How to survive the quote-unquote event, the societal catastrophe they know is coming. Rushkoff came to understand that these men were under the influence of the mindset, a Silicon Valley certainty 
um, that they and their cohort can break the laws of physics, economics, and morality to escape a disaster of their own making as long as they have enough money and the right technology. This is based on a real meeting that he had. This is not like some fantasy that he dreamt of and then like wrote a book about. This is based on real encounters. The thing is, the 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 putting the value in the money is it just feels so silly. Mm-hmm. If if things get to this point, also I'm I'm watching the video of the walkthrough of the. Oh, thanks for listening the, to me. <laughs> no, I'm listening of the glamorous half floor yeah. model of the survival condo. Yeah, glorious. Right now, I'm in the bathroom. The shower has oh my, one shower head, two shower heads. For just the and small price of 1.5 million, you could live like a king in the uh, post-world uh, afterlife. Is that a bidet? <laughs> there might be a bidet. No, that'll cost extra. That's the bidet warm. add-on. <laughs> Hope it's warm water. No, this is grim. This is uh, it's really this is really freaky. Grim. And what if you don't like your neighbors? Do you get to know who lives in the other condos? What if you buy a condo next to a fucking Karen who's going to complain about the way that you live your life? If society has fallen, you can just put an axe in their back. No, because, I mean, I feel like that kind of, like, co-op living arrangement is going to go south very quickly, especially in those shared areas of, like, the dog run, the library, the pool. Who cleans the pool? Do they have a pool boy? Do they? So we have the uber-rich living a... Uh, we'll say you know a, a comfortable lifestyle are they gonna have like yeah again yeah like humans who are just like yep this is your job forever is just to to you get to live that is a great question oh my god that douglas gets into uh that i'm actually gonna get into let's go so an excerpt of his book was published in The Guardian this month. I'm not going to read the entire excerpt. It's a lot. It's really lengthy. It's an amazing read. So if this is interesting to you at all, go run and read The Guardian um, article that's posted. If you're not into reading uh, and you just like to listen to people's voices, um, Douglas did an interview with Vice that you can listen to also in the show notes. So he covers a lot of the same topics. So he describes accepting an invitation to address like a a group described as ultra wealthy stakeholders in the middle of the desert. So a limo picks him up from the airport like when he lands and three hours later he's like holy shit I'm still in the car leaving the airport. Was he blindfolded? No not that I'm aware of. (laughs) Um, So he's like who the hell am I meeting? What kind of like wealthy hedge fund types are driving this far from the airport for a conference? Because that's what he was under the impression that he was doing, that he was going to be a a keynote speaker at a conference. Um, So he gets to his destination. The next morning, he's taken through like rocks and underbrush to a meeting hall via golf cart. Um, So he thinks he's about to get like mic'd up for speaking. Um, But instead of being taken to like a big stage to speak, his audience is brought into him. And it's five super wealthy guys from the tech investing and hedge fund worlds that sit down around the table with him. And he recalls that at least two of them were billionaires, but he's not sure about the other three. They were trillionaires. Yeah, I mean, they could be. Well, I don't know. Bazillionaires. <laughs> Bazinga. Um, so this next bit is going to be direct from the excerpt posted in The Guardian. They started out innocuously and predictably enough. 
Bitcoin or Ethereum, virtual reality or augmented reality? Who will get quantum computing first, China or Google? Eventually, they edged into their real topic of concern. New Zealand or Alaska? I think we can see from the past week or so, Alaska, maybe not the best choice. Um, Which region would be less affected by the coming climate crisis? It only got worse from there, which was the greater threat. Global warming or biological warfare? How long should one plan to be able to survive with no outside help? Should a shelter have its own air supply? What was the likelihood of groundwater contamination? Finally, the CEO of a brokerage house explained that he had nearly completed building his own underground bunker system and asked, how do I maintain authority over my security force after the event? The event. That was their euphemism for the environmental collapse, social unrest, nuclear explosion, solar storm, unstoppable virus or malicious computer hack that takes everything down you know earlier i was going to bring up the mass coronal ejection (laughs) from the sun doing in all the electronics and not like some like y2k bug yeah i mean the one day that we didn't have uh internet or cell service i realized how truly fucked we would be. I don't know. I don't know. I, I kind of liked it. I, I liked it I so that we could it. like just hang and not be um, entranced by social media. But then the other part of me is like, oh boy, I need this for my job. <laughs> if there's no society, there's no need for a job. What are you going to do? I don't know. What value does that money you make have? Yeah. So uh, continuing with the excerpt, this single question occupied us for the rest of the hour. They knew armed guards would be required to protect their compounds from raiders as well as angry mobs. Once one had already secured a dozen Navy SEALs to make their way to his compound if he gave them the right cue. But how would he pay the guards once even his crypto was worthless? What should stop the guards from eventually choosing their own leader? Or just, yeah, exactly. There's 12 of them. Mm -hmm. Forget that guy. The billionaires considered using special combination locks on the food supply that only they knew or making guards wear disciplinary collars of some kind in return for their survival. Uh, Or maybe building robots to serve as guards and workers if that technology could be developed in time. All right. That got really dark. Yeah. Isn't that depressing? So Rushkoff is like, wait a second. He tries telling them that instead of just trying to throw money at their security, they need to invest in people and relationships. So he said partnership and solidarity were the best approaches to collective long-term challenges, and they should be treating their guards as friends now instead of just investing in ammo and electronic fences. Sorry, electric fences, not electronic fences. You get the idea. Um, So he goes on to describe these ultra wealthy people in front of him as losers. Uh, He says, quote, more than anything, they've succumbed to a mindset where winning means earning enough money to insulate themselves from the damage they are creating by earning money in that way. I appreciate that he called them losers. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, you have to think about it. Like, these are the kinds of people who probably I don't think you really become a billionaire or a millionaire by being super nice to everybody and building like genuine connections and having empathy and caring about people around you. I just don't think that's realistic. I don't know. I agree. So he also goes on to put a name to the Silicon Valley escapism called the mindset. 
The mindset also includes a faith-based Silicon Valley certainty that they can develop a technology that will somehow break the laws of physics, economics, and morality to offer them something even better than a way of saving the world, a means of escape from the apocalypse of their own making. Which is very true. Very true. So later in the article, he talks about being reached out to by businesses who are catering to these billionaire preppers. Um, So the message that caught his attention most came from someone named J.C. Cole, who's a former president of the American Chamber of Commerce in Latvia. He felt certain that the event, um, a gray swan or predictable catastrophe triggered by our enemies, Mother Nature, or just by accident, was inevitable. So he had done a SWOT analysis. Um, a SWOT analysis is strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats, um, and concluded that preparing for calamity required us to take the very same measures as trying to prevent one. Uh, quote from him, by coincidence, I am setting up a series of safe haven farms in the New York City area. Uh, These are designed to best handle an event and also benefit society as semi-organic farms, both within three hours drive from the city close enough to where uh, people can get there if it happens and when it happens. So he's currently developing two farms as part of his safe haven project. Farm one is outside of Princeton. It's his show model, and it works well as long as the thin blue line is working, is what he said. Um, The second one, somewhere in the Poconos, I feel like I'm too poor to say that word. (laughs) Poconos. Has to remain a secret. So um, the fewer people who know the locations, the better, he said, um, along with a link to the Twilight Zone episode in which panicked neighbors break into a family's bomb shelter. (laughs) During a nuclear scare. I don't remember that episode, but I should go look at it. Uh, is is that the... I think it's called The Monsters Are Down on Main Street. Maybe. I thought it was like an alien... Oh, no. They, something happened and everyone starts to blame each other. And yeah. Yeah. It's a good I episode. Ma- I really imagine that's episode. how that would go. Um, so another quote from him. The primary value of Safe Haven is operational security, nicknamed OPSEC by the military. If when the supply chain breaks, um, the people who uh, the people will have no food delivered. COVID-19 gave us the wake up call as people started fighting over toilet paper. When it comes to a shortage of food, it will be vicious. And that is why those intelligent enough to invest have to be stealthy. Um, so we're getting pretty long here. We're at like the 40 minute mark. Um, the article goes on to describe the experience on the farm JC has. They talk about things like tactical training, uh, raising farm animals, training young farmers, layered security protocols, like a million things of how to maintain these farms. My chickens can jump through hula hoops. What can can yours do? (laughs) My chickens can hold little, little knives. (laughs) Um, So what's interesting is JC is trying to get folks to invest in American Heritage Farms. That's his his farm, Um, which requires an investment of around three million dollars, which seems kind of that's kind of reasonable. Oh, my gosh. Let's let's you and me do it. it. Let's get into that. Um, But he's not getting any takers. And the thinking for why they aren't getting more takers is because those with that kind of insane money don't want a cooperative component to survival. Uh, Most billionaire preppers don't want to have to learn to get along with a community of farmers or 
worse spend their winnings funding a national food resilience program wait Um, you mean you mean all my money has to go (laughs) help other people absolutely not nope i'm out um the mindset that requires safe havens is less concerned with preventing moral dilemmas than simply keeping them out of sight so that is today's episode There's a ton of links in the show notes if you're interested in reading more. There's a link about survivalism history. Uh, There's a Business Insider article that talks through a lot of the Silicon Valley specifics. Um, There's the uh, Vice article in there. Tons of stuff. So have at it. Enjoy. Um, Yeah, I I don't really know what else to say kind of kind of messed up I, I feel like we missed the boat on this one you know I, I really am upset don't feel like we do um because also the other part of me is like if society is really on the brink of collapse do i like want to sit here and like eat I don't canned wanna, corn i don't want to get through that yeah i don't, I don't know think i want to get through this, this is, it's it's a, it's all about quality yeah. you know what though in that really sweet um video walkthrough through one of the whoosh, whoosh, windows you can see a neighbor's house with their annoying backyard lights on. <laughs> so at least they'll maintain, you know, you did, can you can complain to your neighbors about their annoying lights. Yeah. Still. Do they have an HOA? I guess I'd be curious. Hey, I noticed that your fence was only four and a half feet. We're doing six feet fences. Ooh. <laughs> hey, You're- I noticed <laughs> that your simulated evergreen bushes in the back are eight feet tall. But actually, HOA requirements say that they can only be six feet tall. <laughs> Oh, I saw that you left your garbage bins out overnight. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be five H- million. HOA requirements say that your garbage cans have to be hidden by five o'clock day after pickup. That's living. That is a high quality of life. But yeah, hey, but- at least they're alive, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. With their nice walk-in closets. Oh, yeah. They're going to run out of Tide Pods very soon. Yeah, they absolutely very will. Very quickly. Absolutely will. Um, yeah, so that's today's episode. I don't know whether to like laugh at this or be depressed or what, but, uh, just knowing that like right now with things kind of as they are and people are like putting enormous amount of like groceries on credit cards because they don't have another way to buy them. Um, and they have to take on those, uh, kinds of debts for this kind of economy and then there are just people who are buying up little islands to live on um for the apocalypse yeah what a world we live in what a wonderful world well that is it for today's episode thanks so much for joining us a day late and uh we will see you next week at some point yeah daylight and about three million dollars (laughs) short okay that's cool all right well see you next time Uh, bye bye